Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're taking a look at Little Mix on tour. This is a massive show. I mean, it is massive. The loading started at 5am. I counted 10 40 foot trucks and an additional 3 25 foot trucks. And there may have been a couple more which they've parked away as well. That I'm not too sure about, but this is massive. So they have their own stage. It's a rolling stage so they can roll it into position. So they could hit their build deadline. They build the stage away from the actual staging area because you then got the lighting rig team and you got the AV team and sound team just rigging everything that needs to be rigged behind them at the same time. So let's take a look at what they got. They got a massive LED video wall. I don't believe it's a translucent one, although I haven't had a chance to get close to it and I really wouldn't want to because there's so much going on down there and I don't want to get in people's way. But it's a nice little, I say it's a nice little one, it's massive, it's close to 6 metres high from the uh, top of the floor down uh, towards uh, the stage. So when the stage rolls into position, the screen is just slightly slightly lower than the top position of the stage and that will put it into context if you saw if you saw this you also have a massive grid of lighting bars that are up in the air as we speak with uh, a load and I mean a load of LED wash units which possibly are BI units but I can't tell from this distance it's about a hundred of those then you've got other sections of lighting rig which are profile unit they run in front and above the height of the uh, LED wash units and then lighting wise as well you have two front of house bars stage left and stage right they don't run across the whole length and those are gonna be above the audience currently stages underneath them for uh, building purposes and there's a handful of profile units on those possibly robo spots I can't tell from here and then even further out which is towards the mixer you have two more smaller trusses stage left and stage right and one in the center which is even more further out towards the mixer with moving profile lights moving light profile units which are also possibly uh, robo spots sound wise so far they've flown their line arrays and the two wide and ten deep and behind them you've got you've got four massive subs stacked on, on top of each other and flown and to the side a little bit further back and pointed at 45 degrees outwards for surround sound effect to the smaller line arrays which are which are only uh, six deep I would assume that there will be more subs to go in front of the stage but they're not ready to go in if they do exist down there currently I can't see where they would be but they're possibly being stashed behind the seating at the moment and yes it is a seated event so you've got the raked tiers out already and they can't lay the seats on the main floor until the stage is rolled into position which I don't think they're too far away from at the moment They've still got a couple more lighting bars to rig, although I'm unaware of what units are on those bars. I would assume LED battens and LED uh, strobe, strobe flood units, which um, I can't confirm that at the moment. 
but it's probably it's more than likely and I would also assume there be some moving lights on the floor of the stage once they've finished putting the stage into position so this stage it's on three tiers and the top tier is connected to the middle tier on via some nice curved staircases either side of the stage and I'm sure it will look very interesting once uh, it's all lit up and there's possibly in fact no and the staircases are lined with LED rope units. The middle tier of the stage has nothing on there at the moment but it looks like there's three doorways and I would assume that there may be either a pit lift to bring them onto stage via these entrances or they come on from the hidden bits either side of the stage because there are some uh, theatrical style flats to produce masking which are all black which I've just put into position right now and on the forward section of the stage it's just a big forward section although there's a gap in the middle and I can see a lift, a scissor lift section which hasn't been put into place and I would assume that that will be put into place once the stage is in position uh, ready to go. Also stored at the side at the moment in front of the stage right bleachers, bleachers are the, are the tiered seating, it's a different type of that. Uh, there are, it's a different type of vet. It's a different name for them. Anyways, so stashed out in front of stage right seating, you've got the uh, pyro sections of stage which will be wheeled into position when ready. And it looks like it will be an entire run in front of the stage and possibly a little bit to the stage left and stage right, to the stage left and stage right wings as well, which I think it's, I think it is that way inclined a bit. I think it is inclined to be like that. So currently behind the stage another truss is being winched into the air and there is no lights in this bit of truss but they are cable feeders and rather than having big lengths of truss going from section to section holding cables these are a compromise for weight restrictions as well as as well as a bit more simplicity depending on how big your lighting rig is so your cables will fit will be joined onto one of these units that just hang down off a little winch and then they'll go to full power the next section of uh, truss in front of the stage so it's just a way to hold the power lines essentially and that's all that truss is for is to hold the power lines rather than having massive long rungs of trusses these cables can just sag down and not be pulled that taut it just gives enough flexibility in case they have to fly certain bars down once it's all powered up now we've had a good look at what is going on at the moment we'll be back after this so not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book, A Tribute To, 
is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all of these books are in the description below. And we're back. So Little Mix are British girl group consisting of group members Jade Thurwell, Perry Edwards and Leah Ann Pinnock. Former member Jesse Nelson departed from the group in December 2020. Often named as the biggest girl group of the 2010s, the group rose to prominence in 2011 after winning the 8th series of The X Factor. The group's music style is pop, R&B and dance pop with influences from other genres such as tropical house, latin pop and electronic music. Their lyrics are often centred around feminism, gender equality, body positivity, LGBTQ rights and sexism. Little Mix are one of X Factor's most successful acts. The group has had five number one singles in the UK singles chart with Cannonball in 2011, Wings in 2012, Black Magic in 2015, Shout Out To My Ex in 2016 and Sweet Melody in 2021. They have since scored the most number one singles for a winning act from the show and in 2021 became the first girl group to spend 100 combined weeks accumulated inside the top 10 of the UK singles chart. Little Mix have released 6 studio albums and 1 compilation album DNA in 2012, Salute in 2013, Get Weird in 2015, Glory Days 2016, LM5 in 2018, Confetti 2020 and Between Us in 2021. The debut album DNA is the highest charting entry in the US Billboard 200 for a debut album by a British girl group. Glory Days became the group's first number one album in the UK albums chart and spent five weeks at number one, the most by a girl group album since the Spice Girls debut album. It became the fastest selling number one album by a girl group in 15 years and had the highest first UK album sales for a girl group since Spice World. It holds the record for the longest charting girl group album inside the top 40 on the UK albums chart and is the longest charting girl group album in the UK albums chart spending a total of 173 weeks on the charts there. In 2018 they became the first girl group to have five consecutive top, stu top five studio albums in the United Kingdom. Little Mix are one of Britain's biggest selling acts and one of the best selling girl groups of all time, selling over 65 million records worldwide. The group have been named as one of the greatest girl groups of all time and the biggest girl group of the 2010s. In 2018, Forbes named them one of the most influential acts in Europe and are listed by the Braves as one of the most influential people in the UK with a net worth of 66.7 million. In 2021 they made history at the 41st Brit Awards when they became the first female group to win the Brit Award for British Group. The other accolades include two, two other Brit Awards, seven MTV Europe Music Awards, the most wins for Best UK and Ireland Act, two Japanese Gold Disc Awards, one iHeart Radio Music Award, six Global Awards and four Glamour Awards. In 2022 the group will be taking an indefinite hiatus to rest and pursue solo projects. 
Perry Edwards cites Christina Aguilera, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson and Steve Perry from the American rock band Journey as their musical influences. Jesse Nelson, Jesse Nelson is said to be inspired by Spice Girls, TLC and Missy Elliott. Leah Ann Pinnock cites Rihanna and Mariah Carey as her biggest influences. Jade Falwell references Diana Ross as her favourite singer. After Little Mix's 2020 summer tour was cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic on the 30th of July 2020, the group announced on their social media that they would be performing a virtual concert titled Little Mix Uncancelled on the 21st of August 2020. The group performed the concert at Nebworth House where they had also filmed their Women Like Me music video in 2018. The concert showcased the live premiere of Breakup Song and Holiday. It also has two exclusive performances for Compare the Market account holders. Little Mix Uncancelled was nominated at the 2020 MTV Europe Music Awards for Best Virtual Live, a special category created as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. On the 17th of October 2019, it was announced that the group was set to launch a talent series on BBC One titled Little Mix The Search, in which they would create and mentor new bands, with the winners joining them on their summer 2020 tour. The series was set to premiere on April 2020. It began airing on the 26th of September in 2020, with the winner set to support the group on their confetti tour in 2021, which which is the show that is being done tonight because of the pandemic. Little Mix took part in a recording of the 2011 X Factor charity single along with the finalists of the X Factor 2011 and previous X Factor contestants JLS and One Direction. They covered the 1978 hit single Wishing on a Star by Rose Royce. All proceeds from the single went to the children's charity Together for Short Lives which provides ongoing care and support for seriously and terminally ill children young people and their families from the moment of diagnosis. The song debuted at number one in the UK singles chart with first week sales of 98,932 copies. In 2012, the group performed the single Change Your Life on the Children in Need 2012 broadcast The Pill Shay, helping raise over 26 million 757,446 pounds for the cause which helps disadvantaged children in the UK. On March 2014, Little Mix teamed up with Beat Billing, the largest anti-billing organisation in Europe. The quartet is backing the anti-billing media campaign, the Big March, and the hashtag Delete Cyberbillying project. The campaign is urging the European Commission to introduce new laws to protect children from bullying and cyberbullying for 77 million euros, which is 57 million pounds, to be set aside for services that protect them and from and for an annual awareness day to promote the movement. Pinnock said, Myself and the girls have all experienced being bullied at some point in our life. When we see on Twitter that some of our fans are going through, we find it so upsetting. And that's the reason we feel so passionate about this campaign and the work that Beat Bullying does. In March 2014, Little Mix released the cover of Cameo singles, Word Up. As, for, as the official single for Sport Relief in 2014. The group also visited Liberia to witness the work paid for by the Sport Relief donations. In 2019, Farewell and Pinnock claimed Mount Kilimanjaro for comic relief. In March 2021, Little Mix participated in BBC Radio 1's Lollathon for, for comic relief's Red Nose Day in support of helping those who struggle due to the continued impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in the UK. The money raised will help take would 
The money raised will also help tackle hunger, homelessness, domestic abuse and mental health stigma. Little Mix have used their fame as a platform to advocate for female empowerment, body positivity and LGBTQ plus rights. We'll be back after this. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. So supporting Little Mix is Dennis Coleman and Since September. So let's take a quick look at Dennis Coleman. Okay, so Dennis Coleman is aged 19 and was born on May the 18th, 2003. He was born in the United States and is best known for the songs You and Ray J. He also performed as a support act for the Vamps on a regular basis. While born in the United States, he was also raised in London, United Kingdom. Before he was famous, he began playing music at the age of four, and at the age of ten he began creating his own songs. He studied the violin and composition at the Royal College of Music's junior department. It's a nice accolade that, you know, Royal School of Music. That's very difficult to get into. Yeah, I know someone that went to the Royal School of Music to play piano, and it's very difficult to get into. Uh, I may add, so he must have been very, very good. Anyways, moving on. He won the Open Mic UK and Future Music Songwriter of the Year competition in 2017. He shared a photo with fellow singers and TikTok stars Becky Cook and Tessa Bear to his Instagram in November 2018. Oh wow, that's a great accolade that is. Don't even know who they are. Sorry. Um, So not much info on him. That's all I could find at a quick glance. So now we found out a little bit, and I mean a little, little bit. Let's uh, have a look at Since September. Since September, a four-piece English-Irish indie band formed in 2020. The group consists of vocalist and guitarist Matthew Nolan, Harry Holes, Patrick Ralphson, and vocalist and pianist Jacob Fowler. The band was formed on and subsequently won English girl group Little Mix's BBC One talent competition, Little Mix The Search. Since September is the open act for Little Mix's Confetti Tour. The band is managed by Roy Stride. During Little Mix The Search, Since September cites Five Seconds of Summer, McFly, Jonas Brothers, Kings of Leon and The Killers as their musical influences. While Since September used a pop rock style during the show, the manager Roy Stride revealed the band completely switched it up for their original music. He, continued to, he continues to state their music is a mature Sam Smith meets Ed Sheeran sound. Since the show, the boys have been writing both together and with music artists such as Royce Ride, Jason McFay and the Dunwells, having four different musical styles between them. The band has settled on a Coldplay-esque sound, focusing more on the ballad side of music. So Harry Holes, born 15th, 15th of February 1998, was born in Coventry and grew up in the suburb of Easton Green. He attended Easton Green Junior School and then West Coventry Academy, previously Woodlands Academy. He was a member of a band 
called the Common Jets during his teen years. Jacob Oliver Fowler, born the 2nd of March 2000, was born in Nottingham and grew up in the suburb of Woodthorpe. He attended Trinity School Apsley and went on to graduate with a degree in musical theatre from the Trinity Laban Concert Conservatoire of Music and Dance in London. Matthew Nolan, born 5th of April in 1999, was born in Dublin and grew up in Grange Ruff, Dargria, Drogheda. He attended Col- he attended Nahins nearby in Betty's town. He was a member of the Cord Celtic Football Club and has released music as a solo artist. Patrick Michael Ralphson, born on the 27th of May 2000, is from the Burnley area, having grown up in France and later moved to Trawden. He was a member of the Burnley Youth Theatre. He was a member of the Burnley Youth Theatre. He attended Wheatley Lane Primary School and then Emery Stead's Grammar School before studying German and politics at the University of Manchester. He was in an indie band called Critical Reaction. The songs they released are Let You Go, 1111, All the Broken Hearts, All of the All of the Stars. So there we go, a nice little bit of information on since September. Right, let's get back to the build of tonight's show and we'll be back after this. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day Puritans in the balls because they've forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back. So... The stage is about to get moved into position and they've just winched up another smaller screen. It's more of a tab and it's labelled ellipse. So it's a nice little arced bit of screen that is uh, in front of the main screen. And there, I think there's like uh, four or five metres uh, gap between them. But I've got a funny feeling that once the stage is in position that screen's going to start off covering part of the uh, part of the main stage from the upper tier and for a bit of masking and it will fly up out of the way a little bit more but what I but we will find out soon enough I've got a feeling that it will come down a bit lower once the stage is in position near enough everything else is up in the air you've got a few bits and pieces that are still working onto the side of the stage well the staging area and uh, I believe that they will be winching those up shortly but they're going to get the stage in first to make sure that they are in the correct position so currently you've got every member of local crew and the stage build team all in position to push this stage now with a bit of luck 
they they have lined up with the uh, tape lines on the floor to make sure that they are in the correct position and if needs be they might have to shunt the stage but I don't see that happening it does look very much lined up to me and the, now the stage is in motion and there's off center so you've got everyone not only pushing forwards but to the side as well it's not going in that straight at the moment uh, stage right is being pushed uh, a little bit less powerful than stage left and now they're making sure they're going to clear the drop down screen and there's a little bit of cable so one poor guy's just had to jump up on the stage and run up those stairs in time for him to catch the cable and page it over the handrails which is quite fun actually although it's a pain in the ass because it's a uh, six foot stage so you had to quickly shoot up that as fast as he could and when I say page to cable paging is quite literally you just get something and you lift it up so it doesn't get caught on something and that's what we call in the industry paging stage is nearly in position and there is someone about ready to stop them yep they stopped just by that screen and it looks like they're pretty much in position right now once they've confirmed they're in the correct position they will then put the stage lift in position they'll lock down the stage so it doesn't move and start putting the seats in we'll be back after this if you're a singer a musician a cabaret artist dancer actor and you want to promote your show or promote yourself and you want to have a conversation you could do this by coming on our show the email address to contact me is masterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and come on our show and we're back so we're at the final stages of the build and they've powered up the screen and now they're just making sure that it's all working so they're doing some test sequences the um, the ellipse section of screen is flyable it flies up and down at certain points during the show and there's some LED uh, strip buttons that are built into the set so underneath the steps and at the back so that's going to look really good once it's all up and running they're just running through a few test sequences on it and uh, bits of it is still not working so it's just a little bit, bit of a tweak where it comes to it stage left and stage right at the back of the stage you've got some seriously long ladder trusses with the led strobes that i knew that were coming and uh, those led strobes are the uh, ones that are also flood units as well and picks and you can map all the pixels in it and it basically goes uh, AD strobe flood then the next light down is a, is a moving light profile then it just keeps repeating that sequence all the way down to the bottom so it's basically grid height straight down to the bottom for that on the stage you have a selection of moving light stage left and stage right which are moving light profiles and in front of those are some more LED strobe and floods along the front of the stage you've got some LED battens, uh, batten strips which are pointing into the stage at the moment but I think they're all on uh, on uh, 
tilting yoke so they can go it they can point on the stage or into the audience and the mojo barrier is also put in place ready to go they're just finishing off the seats now and the mix the mixer at the back of the arena is near enough all fully complete ready to go as well they've done very well since 5am they worked absolutely solidly and it is now just before 3pm so they will be sound checking soon enough also in front of the stage so you've got the main front of the stage and then you've got the pyro platform which we talked about earlier on you've also got in front of the pyro platform a shed load of confetti cannons which are powered by co2 so the chambers just filled with filled up to a massive pressure of carbon dioxide and in the uh, nozzle of the uh, cannon is the confetti package and then when they hit go the pressure is built up and released and out comes the confetti so that's obviously going to be used at the very very end because why not after all it's called the confetti tour and there's going to be uh, real bright colors on this one i believe because well it's confetti it's bright Going to give a lot of joy to all these screaming girls in the audience and i do believe that there will be a volume louder than the stage mix and that is the girls screaming yes i guarantee you the girls will be screaming louder than the music at certain points it is highly advisable for everyone that isn't screaming or is screaming to wear earplugs because when young girls scream it is ear piercing last time i was in a show with uh, girls screaming like that my ears were ringing for two days for two days we'll be back after this 30 years since is a sci-fi story podcast which is full of dramatical moments and a bit of gratuitous violence. The first series was originally done in first person, so it, the character is just telling a monologue, and then the second series and onwards became more third person, so it was more of an in depth story, and uh, you have all the characters actually interacting with each other. Great set of sci fi stories. So, 30 years after an alien invasion, which uh, the humans lost and the first story arc is now over though we've got plenty more story arcs left to tell from the land of 30 years since so why not check it out the links are in the description below And we're back. So supporting Little Mix uh, was Dennis Coleman. And his set went okay, actually. So the Arts Mid-Stage Flyable Screen started off in the down position with Dennis Coleman's logo and a QR code. So left, right, and mid-stage. And, and this logo would appear in between each song. And on the actual song itself, you had a, uh, vid a live video feed come in. So lighting wise, he only had basic lighting. He had just a general wash on the downstage se section of the stage 
and a RoboSpot following him, although his drummer had a separate static light which was always a tone or a shade slightly different to the general wash. So if it was red, there would be an off red, like more of a pinky red, or if there was a uh, dark blue, it'll be a lilac, that kind of thing. So complementary colours. And he only had a small handful of lights. So some of the uh, front of house uh, units, just to wash the stage, a little bit of side lighting from the downstage, left and right, LED floods and strobes. And that was it. Nothing else, nothing too special, just that. Because that's all he needed. He only had a handful of songs, he was only on for 20 minutes, which was, well, it was supposed to be a 20 minute set, it was more like 18 minutes, but that's because he didn't have too much to say in between each song. And they just give him 20 minutes just uh, just in case he uh, overruns with his with his uh, patter, which I have to say he actually had some good patter, and it always and it all made sense. So from an artist that's starting out, that's really good going. Performance-wise, Dennis Coleman came out with a massive burst of energy. He started off uh, stage right. He darted across the stage and started his vocals as he got to mid-stage. I have to say, for a uh, for quite a young artist. He'd actually uh, got some good stage presence and a good audience interaction, which is good. Every song he did, he got massive rounds of applauses. He even addressed the audience directly in his patter. They were cheering him. And, and at one point he commanded the audience to get out their phones and do the old cliche of switching the torch on and lighting up the audience, which they all did. And there's enough people in the audience at that point of time to completely uh, light up the whole uh, arena, which is very interesting. You know, he'd, he started his set half hour after the doors had opened. So that's pretty good going at, I have to say. Now, with his tracks, and they were tracks, I think a lot of people do get a lot of stick and flack for having uh, click tracks. And... The only instrument that was on stage with him was his drummer and on his very last song he picked up his electric, his electric guitar and did a little riff at the end of the song. I don't know what the songs are called off the top of my head. I was, never, I was not given a set list but there was a song and he played a little bit of guitar and that's all I can tell you on that one. So performance wise Dennis Coleman was good. It is uh he actually had charm and stage presence and he had a good vocal performance. You couldn't fault it and you couldn't fault his vocal performance whatsoever. Sound wise, because it was click track with the drums and the vocals, he, he still had a gold standard within, within his sound mix and I did feel that his click tracks were uh, laid out individually on the uh, sound desk. And what that means is every co every component part of the uh, track had its own fader. And uh, the faders would be automated on how uh, the uh, original sound engineer would have programmed his section of the show. So it will ride up a bit more bass here and there in time to the uh, track. And you'd have the sound engineer he would actually be able to override each component, including his vocals, and push things up a little bit, or put, or put it back down, all depending on how the performer, in this case, uh, 
Dennis Coleman uh, was uh, pushing himself? Was he pushing himself a bit harder than he normally did? Or was he going a little bit softer because he's got a bit of a sore throat or whatnot? And that's the whole point of having a sound engineer to do that and having your tracks laid out so it makes it sound good and superior as opposed to having a track with it just EQ'd and, and that's all you're getting. You have no control over it. And this performance from from Dennis Coleman did give the impression that each component part did have its own fader and the sound engineer was riding it constantly because some bits were louder, some bits got quieter in different parts of the song so it did feel like there was uh, some corrections being made on the fly. Now you've heard about Dennis Coleman's performance, let's go on to since September's performance. Right, so just like Dennis Coleman, since September had their uh, logo and their, Q and their QR code in between each song as well as at the start when he was introduced onto the stage. And this is the first time I've actually heard them play. I knew nothing about them other than what I read out on the introduction part of the podcast earlier on, where I was going over what I could find about their act. Yeah, they could actually sing and they definitely could play their own instruments. There's nothing phony about it, but we'll get onto their performance in a moment. Right, so lighting-wise, they had slightly more lights than Dennis Coleman. So they had the basic wash, they had the downstage floods, and they had some profiles on the floor and in the air from stage left and stage right. So they had those profiles giving emphasis to their tracks. And when I say emphasis, so say there was a bit of a bass line going or a bit of a solo, those lights would just follow the beat of the uh, of that section of the track and shine into the audience, which works really well actually. Right, so performance-wise, musically, they can all play their instruments to a really good level, and vocally, they were very strong as uh, vocalists, all of them. And it did feel that, well, how can I put this? I never saw their TV show where they got selected to uh, to be on this tour with Little Mix. Never saw any of it. So I know enough, absolutely nothing about since September. But vocally, they could all sing and I've got a funny feeling that they were picked because they could all sing and they could all play their own individual instruments as well. So they basically had the best of both worlds. And when I say that is, they could be portrayed as a boy band and they could also be portrayed as an indie band. Uh, so they definitely got the best of both on that, of both worlds in that one. And uh, for me, it did feel like it worked. They're not my kind of band whatsoever. So don't get me wrong, um, I haven't been made a fan of it, but I can appreciate exactly what they are and what and what their use are uses within the industry. They are aimed at the at the younger audiences as well as female audiences and i can appreciate it because there is a time and place for that music and it works and it's very popular it's just not my cup of tea but you cannot fault their playing the songs that they uh, have i don't know if they write them themselves some of them were cover songs but on the whole it was generally good and the audience loved their performance they really did in fact you would you could even say that since september had the audience eaten out the palm of their hand 
So, like everyone else, when they commanded their audience to bring out the phones again, do the torches on the phones, they got everyone in the venue to do it, and they were swaying around in time to the music, and it worked. They commanded the audience, the audience obeyed every uh, song, the audience gave them a massive cheer and you even heard some cheers during the songs themselves, especially on the slower songs that they did, where people were still cheering them on. <laughs> yeah, they, it was like one or two people within a crowded, within the crowded room, but these guys were uh, loud enough for the band to actually notice that they were there. The only thing that I could say about their performance which was a bit of a negative, which I don't want to do because they actually put a lot of effort in there, I didn't feel like some of the stage presence that they had was as genuine as it could have been. I think a lot of it was choreographed, but I do feel that as time, as time goes on and they gain the experience, there'll be they would have more of a naturalistic feel on stage with some of their stage presence and yeah they have got some but I do feel like with a bit of time that they'll come into their own and they won't need choreography or whatnot I mean it did feel slightly choreographed it really did but I may be wrong I may be wrong but that's how it came across to me and yeah when they have more experience, especially when they headline their own shows, it won't be choreographed or have that feeling of it being choreographed. It'll be them. And I guarantee you, if they did have their own headline, then yeah, they'll definitely come into their own and blossom as art as artists in their own right, which they are. You know, just because they won a talent contest doesn't make them less of an artist. I mean, you could, you could argue that some people can be less artists if they do win a competition but then again little mix won a competition and they got a massive massive following so to last for 10 years yeah they have longevity whereas a lot of bands that win or just or come runners up they don't have that kind of longevity within them and I do kind of feel like since September have got longevity in them and I do feel like once they do have a bit more creative control over their own over their own product they will come into their own I really do feel that we'll be back after this so not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book, A Tribute To, is fitting with the tone of the book because like a tribute act it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth there are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature so sit down relax and enjoy the ride of a tribute to working at sea volumes one and two 
All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle. And the links for all of these books are in the description below. And we're back. So, at the start of the show, I mean the absolute top of the show, there was another overture. And it's becoming a popular thing recently, how uh, bands are using other artists to overture their, their show. And it was Beyonce with her song Girls as, as Little Mix's overture. Right, so once the overture had finished, the house lights dipped down. The mid-stage screen had a video intro and had the ladder strobes pulsating to the bass line, followed by a multi-coloured audience sweep with the, la with the ladder profiles. Little Mix made an entrance on the downstage lift as the pyros and confetti launched. They started off with Shout Out To My Ex. It did look visually stunning that. I mean, they had the brightest, most in-your-face colours coming out of those lights, which were sweeping the audience, and then the massive bang and showering the audience with confetti. I mean, a lot of confetti. Well, it wouldn't be the confetti tour if there wasn't that much bloody confetti, I have to say. And all three girls from uh, Little Mix, they started off in the brightest, shortest costumes I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen some pretty interesting bait costumes where it shows a lot of flesh and be incredibly bright but this was like i don't know it's as though i went into a stationery shop and bought a pack of highlighters that's how bright and in your face these costumes were uh, right so you had one that was canary yellow one was neon magenta and the other one was electric scion jesus it was bright on the eyes very very bright on the eyes and to be honest they were just real neon versions of showgirl uh, uniforms, say uniforms, costumes. And as though uh, they could have connected some tail feathers if they had them handy, which maybe they thought about, maybe they tried, but I thought, no, no, it's a bit too much because, wow, these costumes were very in your face, very, very camp. But it worked, it was camping in such a tasteful way, I have to say, though. Anyways, so let's get on, let's continue with it. Um, so lighting wise, throughout the show it was bright and bold. Lots of bright neon colours, sometimes pastel-y colours, but it was all about colour. Some were using tungsten style uh, glows to them on, on certain songs, but it was mainly a massive, massive festival of colour. And, that, and that's just the lights and the screen Wow, the LED screens, when they weren't vision mixing the live video feed, they had some very bright colours on the uh, on the VTs as well. And I have to say, both sets of screens did a lot of the legwork because yet again, you can't have so much intricacies with the uh, with the profile lights if the screens outshine the lights. And for me, they actually had a perfect balance between the uh, use of the screen and the intricacies within the lights uh, so it was very well programmed very well planned and it looked very very good on the old aesthetics as well actually i couldn't really yet find any fault in that lighting design to be honest for concert lighting it was superb you just couldn't do any better and they didn't overdo it with the uh, units 
I mean, yes, you've got lots of lighting trusses. You do have a fair amount of lights on here, but I've seen a lot more lights produce a lot less lighting. And what they had on stage, above stage and behind and backstage, there was the right amount of lights and it produced a massive wall of light throughout the whole show. And it looked really good actually. Right, so sound wise, how was it? Well, first of all, there was no live band on here, it was tracks. It's the kind of show that it is, you wouldn't expect them to have a live band. Maybe, maybe if they do set out arena tours on their solo projects or even when they come back. But this kind of show, they didn't need it because there's a lot of dance choreography in there. And a band would actually just take up too much space and they wouldn't be able to do half the dance choreography that they did. But anyways, I digress, I'll get onto that bit later on. So sound-wise, you had the return of the 22 karat clarity. And just like Dennis Carmen, every component of the tracks had an individual fader and yet again, the sound engineer was riding that up and down, doing some corrections to boost up the, vo the vocals or bring the bass line up or even the top end and the mid end and every uh, instrument that's in there just riding them up as where needed to give it a nice sound. And within that, you could actually hear that he was doing corrections within the uh, sound mix. You could tell it if you got the trained ears, that is. Most people wouldn't even notice this. But if you're a trained sound engineer like I am, although I'm more, I'm more biased on the uh, lighting aspect, because I'm, I'm a better lighting engineer than I am a sound engineer, but still, I'm a trained sound engineer, and you could hear that there was... Uh, some tweaking going on here and there depending on how the vocals were going but it was a very good 22 carat gold quality sound mix you couldn't fault it you couldn't fault it whatsoever the mix was constantly fine it was perfect and spot on throughout zero feedback which was really really good and i would be very disappointed with a sound engineer that is doing track and still gets feedback but then again it happens and I, I've even known uh, some sound engineers that I've actually worked with that could actually be the king of feedback but anyways I digress again the mid-stage screen was used a lot and its main function was to, was to mask set changes on the uh, middle section of the stage so bringing on extra steps um, these big cylinder things towards the end and also mask the escape of the of little mix whilst they're getting off to uh, to do a costume change as well and i have to say there's a fair amount of costume changes within the show and every costume change was a big bold bright set of clothes and wow they were all sparkly and spangly or even full of neon colors as well and it was eye-catching, to say the least. It was very, very eye-catching. <laughs> eye-catching enough to be um, comparable to that of being in, in the Rio de Janeiro carnival. That's how some of these costumes were designed. And there's nothing wrong with it. It works, and it has a time and a place, and it did actually look visually stunning. It was that bright with it being visually stunning. They could actually be uh, using an abattoir to stun the animals. Oh no, I could, that's a bit rotten of me. Those poor animals are colorblind. 
<laughs> okay, I'm going to move on swiftly before I get a load of vegans complaining about that. Right, so, even with some of these costumes uh, that, the, that the backing dancers were wearing, wow, some of them were really tight. I don't even know how they got into some of those costumes, let alone how many people it took to get the dancers to escape. Jeez, <laughs> some of them were that tight. It's interesting, interesting to watch. And I'm glad that I didn't actually see the the lack of grace and probably yet and the hard work to get them out of some of these costumes, let alone getting them in. Anyways, so at some points in the show, I went out there with my decibel meter to do my regular noise checks and whatnot. And I did actually notice that at some points the audience actually peaked higher in volume and decibels than Little Mix and their tracks actually got which was really weird so the maximum that little mix got in the pa system and this was directly by the lion arrays they got 115 decibels in the c rating and i recorded 118 decibels when the girls were screaming in the audience so yes that is pretty impressive that the audience were louder than the band at certain points very impressive to say the least those poor girls, when they go to school tomorrow or college or whatnot, they're all going to go in there with sounding really hoarse. And then the teachers will probably be like, that's not coronavirus, is it? And they're like, no, 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 I, I went to Little Mix and I've just screamed too much. I, also, you'd like to believe. <laughs> it's definitely not coronavirus. It was them at a concert last night. <laughs> right, so vocally... All three singers of Little Mix had a very good sound throughout the night. They were very strong in their vocal performance and none of it was strained. So I'm not sure where they are on the on the grand scheme of things within their confetti tour. If they've not long started it, if they're in the middle. They're definitely not towards the end of the tour. But nothing felt strained within their voices and that's good to hear. That really is good to hear because last thing you want is to tie your voice on a long tour i mean they're doing three days in cardiff and that's because they kept selling very very well so if if you put it this way if they're doing three shows on average per venue because it's their last tour together for what could be some time we just don't know they just wanted everyone as many of their fans as possible to see them and i have to say because it is their last tour shall we say together as little mix indefinitely until they decide that yeah it's time to come back they gave the audience the best treat any fans could want and that was a show that was 110 percent 22 carat vocal performances on the clarity and the power and the passion and the emotion within their uh, vocals you couldn't ask for a better show to see even though I'm not a fan of Little Mix and don't think I ever will be, I can appreciate that they're really good at what they do. And I can appreciate that they're there for their fans and they do love their fans. And they gave their fans everything that the fans wanted and that was a show to remember them by. And by God, all those kids that are out there in the audience tonight, they would remember that show for the rest of their lives because it was a very impressive show. And I have to applaud Little Mix on that one. I have to. Because 
it would be so wrong for me to turn around and say no 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 they're this that and the other which is far from the truth because at the end of the day they've got a strong vocal ability within their group they've got some of the best writers i don't know if they've written their own songs they probably have done at some point and they've got a really good collection of songs and you cannot take that away from them you can't take away their vocal ability you can't take away their stage presence just because i'm not a fan it doesn't mean that they're that they're uh, terrible because they're not actually terrible they are really good as a band it's just not my cup of tea and i'd like to think that any of their fans that listen to this would actually appreciate this you know little mix not for everyone but for their fans they were hot they were definitely on it and they will definitely be missed when they were on their hiatus with a bit of luck for the fans of Little Mix, it won't be a long hiatus. Couple of years, nice little break to enjoy it after 10 years of solid working. And then a few projects that they wanted to do on individually. Two years, I reckon they'll be back together. Back in Cardiff, back in uh, Newcastle, back in London. With a massive, massive comeback tour and a new album. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, why not check out more of our, more of our content on www.masterxmedia.info and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.